Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad that you're interested in our podcasts. Our media is available to you free of charge, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and make a donation there. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. So this is Christmas. kind of neat until Yoko starts singing, you know? But, well, thank you guys. Yeah, I blew it with the slides. That was, that was my fault. Because, we, yeah, we got up there and it was like, oh, yeah. oh no, I didn't make those. So, um, so, yeah, I blew it. I'm sorry. Thanks to Chad Lavina for, for winging it. And, uh, I'd, I'd like to give them a mulligan and let them go next week, so that but they probably won't won't volunteer for anything in the future. So, uh, oh well, welcome to the vineyard. And we're still kind of new with the Advent stuff, so um, you know we, we know that the 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 pink candle is the candle of joy. The rest are are purple candles, and you know so I'm sure there's a lot more significance there and. And you'll have to forgive me because I didn't, I didn't discover Advent until about, what, 10 years ago? So, uh, but anyway, it, it's, I love the Christmas season. And I, I know I'm, I'm joking around, and, and, uh, but we got to have fun, right? Well, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. It really is. And, you know, and there are people that really struggle with the holidays, you know, when you've lost somebody that you, you love, you've, you've had bad stuff happen, you know, when the, when the holidays roll around, sometimes that's just, it's just too much. But I don't know, there's just something about it that, that it just makes me feel like a kid. And, of course, this Christmas, Star Wars is coming out. So, you know, that, that is, that's, I feel like I'm an eight-year-old, you know. But, but we have to remind ourselves what the real meaning is. Because, you know, we can get caught up in all the trappings, the, the lights and the presents. And, you know, I mean, there's there some folks that just, they, they're, they're so involved in shopping that, you know, the, the running to and fro, it, it, it wears them out. And, and, you know, and all the activities that go along around this time of year, it's important that we stop and we remind ourselves. And see, that's the, the, what Advent does. Because Advent, it, it means waiting, yeah. anticipating, looking forward to something. And it's, it's the coming of Jesus that we, we look forward to. And ultimately, we're looking for His return. 
And so that's what we're doing whenever we, we do the candles and whenever we do the readings and whenever we do all the stuff that we do to remind ourselves what this is all about. And this morning, I'm going to be reading out of Luke chapter 2. And I love the Christmas story. I can't say it enough. And I'm going to read my favorite part today. I think if I was in the Bible, I wanted to be a shepherd. <laughs> Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were terrified. This is before special effects. <laughs> and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now there's a few things that stand out to me in this story. First of all, the angels, they were making a pronouncement. Now, it's, there's announcements and then there's pronouncements. You know, when you announce something, you're letting somebody know something. But when you pronounce something, it's a formal or authoritative announcement or a declaration. Now, we've got to understand that what they were talking about in this pronouncement, that they said, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. They were talking about a new king. So it's no wonder that when Herod got word about this baby, that he was concerned. Because in his day, whenever a king showed up, that meant he was about to lose his head. It was very concerning to him. But even more so, whenever they said that this king will bring peace, they said, peace on those to whom his favor rests. They were talking about the inbreaking of the rule and the reign of God, the kingdom of God that had come to bring the world under God's rule and authority and under His order. In, in our terms today, that was the equivalent of a declaration of war. This king is coming and he's going to clean house. Get ready. Oh, by the way, he's a baby. But he's come to clean house. He's come to take over. He's come to, to take over the world's structures and introduce something that's completely new, unlike anything we've ever seen before. But the thing that's different about this kingdom, his rule and authority is not based on military might. 
There was not going to be an army that was going to take to the streets and run people out of their homes and burn their houses down. He he wasn't going to bring them into servitude to build all these monuments to himself. He was coming to establish the rule and order that God wanted from the world, for the world, from the very beginning. So you can imagine that it was a little bit to take in. But even more so, I want you to notice to who the announcement was made, the pronouncement was made. Usually when a pronouncement is made, it's being made to people that have some kind of authority. People who have prominence. You know, this is coming to maybe, uh, you know, the, the mayor of the town or maybe someone that was the magistrate for the, the, the region, the area. And they would tell people who had substance in order to get their, their substance behind this order. This is who you need to support. This is, it's politics of the highest order. But that wasn't the, how this kingdom was going to be established. His kingdom would establish peace. His his kingdom would establish justice and righteousness. And worldly powers, they make a lot of promises, but they can't seem to uphold justice and mercy all at the same time. And try as they might, and you know, they they might even try to to do things that that they, they seem to have everyone's best interests. It falls short because it's just not in our hearts to bring about those kinds of things. But this this pronouncement was being made to shepherds. I mean, all they owned was out in the fields. They had no prominence. And in their day, they were probably, most likely, the, the lowest on the totem pole in terms of, of status. You know, nobody wants to invite shepherds over for dinner because they stink. They smell like sheep. They smell like goats. They may have poop on their shoes, you know? I mean, that's, that, that's how they were. But they took care of their sheep. They loved their sheep. That was their, that was their job. That was their livelihood. And, you know, so... Here they are out in the in in the the outer reaches, I guess, of 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 Israel, minding their own business. And these angels show up. Now, I like how things are written in the Bible, because everything's just kind of nice and proper, you know? It, it, have you noticed that? When the angels had left them. The shepherds looked at one another and said, let's go into Jerusalem or Bethlehem. Let's go into Bethlehem and let's see this thing that's happened. That's like the stuff you put on, on, on greeting cards, right? You know, it's just nice and, nice and proper. And, you know, so you can imagine these shepherds that, you know, uh, looking at one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And so they started and they, they herded their sheep together and they were just in perfect order and they just kind of walked along, you know, and then and they, 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 they showed up in town and asked, where's this king that has been born to the... You know, that's not how it happened. Now this might be reading into Scripture and this is probably going to be Joel's inter, interstate version, but 
I can imagine. Now, now, first of all, okay, it's, it's night. Maybe there's some stars in the sky. I mean, I, I don't know what it looks like from, from the Middle East, but I'm sure they see the same kind of stars we do at some point in time. And so they're, they're out in the fields, and they're, you know, maybe going to sleep. You know, they're taking shifts to make sure that, you know, wolves or something don't, don't come and attack their sheep in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, and this is my mind, swoosh! Here's, you know, Lucas magic, you know, it's, it's like in the sky. And there's angels that are, that are hovering over these, these shepherds. And they're announcing the birth of Jesus. Now, for shepherds at this time, they, didn't, they certainly didn't know what CGI was. They'd never seen anything like this at all. So you can imagine the terror that they felt seeing these angels. And who knows what they look like, you know? I mean, it, think about your greeting cards. You know, maybe they had a robe on. Maybe they had, had wings. Maybe they had swords. Who knows? I, I, I don't know what the angels would have looked like. But for these little shepherds, they're scared to death. So in, in, the, in the King James, it said, fear not. Don't be afraid. Because I guarantee you they were frightened. They were terrified. The NIV gets it perfect. And so after they hear this message, and maybe the, the angels are singing in their chorus, and, and they're so excited and you know everything, they go away just kind of like they, they showed up. You know, the swoosh, shoo. And it's the plain black sky. And so they're probably laying on their backs. You know, maybe a few of them were laying on their face, and they were afraid to even look. And so after about maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, they look, they look around at each other and are like, what just happened? And then maybe it was, maybe it was just the little shepherd guy, you know, the, the one that was really curious, says, hey, maybe we should go to Bethlehem and see what they're talking about. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with reading the Bible and letting God just enliven our imagination to open us up to experience what it must have been like for those who heard the message that Jesus had been born. But see, this is the thing about the gospel. The proclamation of the gospel to the poor was a sign of the coming of the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 11, you remember John was in prison. And so he sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus. Verse 2 says, When John who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Because John didn't expect that part of this, this process was going to involve him going to jail. Jesus said, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. 
Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John Wimber said one time that we need the poor as much as they need us. The poor need us to remember them and to give them the gospel and, and to bless them in any way that we can. We need the poor to remind ourselves that, you know, we may not always have it all together. And we need to remember those times whenever we needed help to help those who are less fortunate than we are. And that's, that's what we do during this season. Now, last week I was talking about hope. And in the course of talking about hope, there was a saying that came along with our, with our little booklet. Did everybody get a booklet, by the way? The inbreaking booklet? Okay, that, that's, that's your devotional for this year, and, and I hope it's a blessing to you. But I, I like this little saying. Those who are looking for God to break in, see Him break in. Sometimes you've got to be looking for it. And at this, this season, there's so much going on. There's so many things that are happening. Sometimes you have to slow yourself down and remind yourself to look for what God's doing. Look for what God's doing. And, and you'll see how God is breaking in in every situation. We always want to be on the lookout for what God is doing. Now, the title of my sermon this morning is The Power of Peace. And I want to start with this. Peace, the order of God's rule and reign, is a sign that the kingdom of God has come. And during this second week of Advent, we're examining this theme, God's peace and what it looks like in the world we live in. I think our world could stand to be exposed to a little more peace. Don't you? And Jesus modeled for us what the inbreaking of peace means to our troubled world. And He intends that, that, that His peace breaks in to this world through us. So I'm going to read a couple of, of stories this morning that, that really they typify the inbreaking of Jesus' peace. And they're not typically Christmas stories, but they're a reminder of how, how peace really can make a difference. The first one is in Luke chapter 8. And these two stories follow one right after the other. So um, I just need to read the text. I'm, I'm getting excited. Um, Verse 22, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. And he said, where's your faith? In fear and amazement, 
they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. I love that story. But think about it for, for a second. These were fishermen. They'd been fishing long before Jesus ever showed up. And they probably learned how to fish whenever they were little kids. And so Jesus said, hey, let's go on over to the other side. And I, I, I just have a feeling that, and I, of course I don't know this, but I have a feeling Jesus knew what was coming. I think he did. The disciples didn't, of course. And so they get in the boat, and maybe it was the time of day it was. Luke doesn't really tell us. But they go across the lake, and they get in the middle of the lake. Jesus falls asleep. You know, maybe it's the nice rocking of the boat. I, I can't get in a boat without getting sick. But, you know, maybe, you know, Jesus just liked to be rocked. I don't know. But uh, this squall comes, and it, it's such a storm that the fishermen are terrified. They grew up on this lake. They knew everything about this lake. They knew where every inlet was. They knew everything about maneuvering on this lake. And they're in the, in the middle of the lake, and this storm comes, and they're terrified. And while they're trying to manage what's going on, maybe fighting with the oars or you know, trying to drop anchors or whatever it was that they, they would do to stabilize that boat, they turn and look, and in the back of the boat, Jesus is asleep. So, I don't, and, and Luke doesn't say which one ran over to Jesus. I, I can imagine that it, there was at least two or three. Jesus, wake up! Don't you care that we're about to die? And he stands up and he tells the storm, stop. Peace. There was a song, and I, 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 after I'd gotten the set list together this week, I was thinking, well, they, we, we've also sang a song around here that says, you know, I want my boat bailed out, but Jesus calms the storm. Your love is more than I can ask for. I was thinking about that one after I'd, I'd, I'd already made up the set list. I'm like, yeah, oh, I should have added that one. But, you know, that, that's kind of how it works. Things start falling apart. Things start happening, and, and they're out of our control. And so we, we start trying to fix it. You know, we want to fix it. We, we want to try to, make, you know, if, if I could just bail out the boat, you know, maybe somehow I'll make it over to the other side. And so they woke Jesus up. And I'm thinking they were just like, hey man, get a, grab a pail or you know, do something because we're about to go down. And he just stood up and said, peace. And I think it's, I think it's so interesting the way that he responded. He just asked them, where's your faith? Do you trust God? Do you trust God? And when trials come to us, what do we do? How do we respond when things start falling apart? Are we like the disciples trying to go find a, a, a pail to bail out the boat? 
Are we fighting with the oars and we're doing all these things that we can to somehow stabilize our situation? Or do we turn to Jesus and let Him calm the storm? You see, the inbreaking of God's peace comes during the storms of life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That was how the day began for the disciples. If you continue reading, which we're going to do this morning... Verse 27, this is after they got over to the other side. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he said. Because many demons had gone into him. And they, the demons, begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man, and they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And when those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And when the people went out to see what had happened, and the people went out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid. There's a few things in this story that's, that stands out to me. First of all, Jesus had just demonstrated authority over the wind and the water, you know, material things. And he demonstrated before the disciples and the people that were in this town that he had authority over the devil, over darkness, over the works of the enemy. And that should remind us that Jesus is over everything. There's nothing that can outdo Jesus. He's over everything. And when, when Jesus encountered this guy, he didn't see some raging, crazy person. He didn't see, you know, a demoniac. 
He didn't see somebody that, was, that, that had, had lost their mind. He saw a child of God that was in bondage. And the most, I think, amazing thing about the whole thing, everybody got really upset about the pigs. And, you know, if, you, if you're the, the owner of the, of the pig farm where they came from, you'd probably be upset too. You just lost all, your, all that you owned over the, 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 the cliff. But the amazing thing was, was that this man who had been this way from childhood, who had been in bondage from childhood, was set free. And he was seated in front of Jesus... And he was in his right mind. The inbreaking of peace does the work of deliverance. Yes. It's what I was saying before. Peace, the order, the rule and reign of God. When peace comes in, it sets everything right. It sets everything in order. There's nothing that Jesus cannot do. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show us this all-surpassing power is from God and from not us. So what does this mean for us? I think Jesus wants us to extend His peace from Him to others. See, we're the intermediary. We receive His peace, and then we can give His peace. And there's an old saying in the vineyard that in order for it to happen through you, it's got to happen to you first. You know, and you, you might want to set the world free, but if you're not free yourself... I don't know how, how well you're going to do that. And Jesus wants to make sure that it happens to us first so that it can happen through us. That's the model that, that He showed the disciples. Let it happen to you, and then it'll happen through you. We need to experience His peace and extend it to others. So the inbreaking of peace extends out from us to others. But it has to happen to us first. Matthew chapter 17, Jesus told His disciples, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move it from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I think God is, is waiting for us to accept His challenge to be instruments of peace. We've got too much, you know, people forcing their will yeah. on people, don't you think? I mean, we, we've seen enough in the news lately that we don't need to see that kind of thing happening anymore. We've had enough of it. We need to see people who extend the peace of God, that the inbreaking of peace in us extends out to others. So, can we stand? I'm done. (laughs) 
But before we go, I want to make sure if you're here and you need ministry, if you need need healing, if you need prayer for anything, we want to make sure that we take time for that. And you might be here this morning and you need the inbreaking of peace in your life. We're not just talking about Christmas. We're talking about the inbreaking of what God wants to do in us to set us free and to allow us to, to be part of this, this team that He's sending out into the world as instruments of peace. And if you're here and, and maybe you've experienced God's peace and you want to see more of that peace going out from you, I want to pray for that too. I want to bless what God's doing in your life. So I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal. If you're on the prayer team, I'm going to need your help. But we want to be part of what God's doing in our community this year at Christmas and on to the next year and, and however many years after that. So Father, we thank You. We bless You. We bless You for this gift of peace. The peace you give is not as the world gives. And we're so thankful for that peace. And Lord, I ask that as we go this week that we would experience that peace breaking in and transforming us into the people that you want us to be. Go with us this week and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything that I talked about this morning, it doesn't even have to be on the list. I want to pray with you. So God bless you.